Welcome back to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and with me today is uh, Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics. If you're someone that uh, enjoys the business side of professional wrestling, you've no doubt uh, heard of Brandon's work over there at WrestleNomics.com, and we'll talk a little bit more uh, about his uh, really just fantastic uh, Patreon he also has with some great insight on there a little bit later on. But Brandon, uh, thanks for joining me, and as you and I joked about before we started, um, we scheduled this uh, before uh, Tuesday here as we're recording, and it uh, turns out uh, we actually had some news come out that uh, will probably fit quite well into our discussion. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it sounds like there's uh, upwards of 35 employees, I've been told, who have been laid off. Uh, the Advanced Media Group, which is a division, which is a department in WB, is being merged with the TV department. Kevin Dunn always wins. He's going to head them both, it sounds like. And uh, the W Studios uh, department as well. Looks like there's a lot of layoffs happening there, too. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this, and obviously I'm sure we'll we'll have more information. There will be more details that come out. But, uh, I mean, on some of this, you know, they had mentioned, I guess, some of these layoffs, certainly, as you said, coming from the advanced media group. And then... You know, there are people who have worked on either WWE.com, YouTube, editorial production, that kind of stuff. Um, do you look at this and say, well, you know, the move to Peacock obviously affects the, the WWE network, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I guess what what do you kind of take away from this just based on what we know now? Like we said, I'm sure there's so much more uh, we'll find out about this, but just maybe how this whole thing is unfolded here with some of these layoffs in these specific specific uh, departments there. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm guessing that they thought that they had a lot of redundancies and maybe with the network being the U.S. Uh, rights to the network anyway, being sold to Peacock, maybe NBC Universal is going to take over some of the responsibilities that they had. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh, I, I guess they just felt that there were a lot of redundancies and uh, they didn't need to have an advanced media group and a uh, and a television department separately. Yeah, and obviously th- there's been a lot reported uh, about you know you guys have it on WrestleNomics. There's a lot of reports out there just about the specifics on who all have uh, been let go. You know, executive vice presidents, the advanced media group. You talked about sort of the merging. Kevin Dunn uh, going to be overseeing a lot of that. I know. Uh, one of the things uh, reported was that there would be a meeting on Wednesday, um, you know, that would seemingly yeah. at least go into um, some of the reasoning behind it, I'm sure. And and one of the things I know this is not necessarily uh, business related, uh, but it does affect the WWE uh, product. And that was Adnan Verk, who had recently, um, was, I guess it's less than a month now or maybe a month or so, however long it's been. But, you know, he had been doing his work with, with MLB Network and, of course, had been at ESPN and such in the past. but. Um, that was, uh, another interesting one. Like we said, it's a different circumstance, I assume, but, um, still to, to have your lead commentator that you basically just introduced after WrestleMania, uh, that's another interesting one. Right. It sounded like a, a Nick Khan connection. Adnan Verk is a former, uh, client of Nick Khan. Nick Khan is the chief revenue officer and president as of August of last year. Um, uh, he's the one who's making all the, the big TV deals for WWE even before he came to work for WWE uh, last year. Yeah, Adon Verk is gone. You know, maybe it's related to, to budgeting that uh, he's gone today, as well as a number of uh, W employees. But yeah, just to, to go back to the advanced media group, so the, the biggest uh, layoff here looks to be um, 
J.R. Donlin, who's an executive vice president, as well as James Rosenstock, who's another executive vice president. So J.R. Donlin is heading the Advanced Media Group. Uh, since that group is being merged into television under Kevin Dunn, I guess he's no longer needed or can probably find uh, uh, a similar job elsewhere. And uh, James Rosenstock, who is the head of international TV, also an executive vice president, uh, he is out as well. So that's that's what I know right now. But uh, I guess, like you kind of said, I, I think we'll learn more uh, about what's what exactly is happening with W Studios. I don't know if anybody else is reporting this, but I I'm hearing that there's most of the W Studios team is being let go. Um, yeah. And maybe I'll, I'll have a follow-up on that if I can confirm some details. Yeah, for sure. And we'll check back with you on that. Uh, hopefully, like I said, we can we can add that in um, for in our notes, of our show notes. Uh, and, of course, we'll, we'll have anything over at hornmania.com that uh, Brandon uh, finds out there. But I guess, Brandon, the next um, logical step is to talk about another piece of certainly big news surrounding WWE. Um, they announced their, their return to live touring, which will – Start on July 16th, it'll be part of that uh, 25 uh, city tour uh, with them getting back to having fans in attendance. And obviously, uh, we'll talk about AEW in a second and kind of the route they've gone. But um, initial thoughts on that. I mean, I think that we had, you know, everyone had kind of known this was coming. And I know SummerSlam had kind of been the, the big talking point for a while there. But I think as you saw, things sort of maybe speed up a little bit uh, in terms of their thinking on when they could get back out there. But um, just any big takeaways from you once they made that announcement? So they've got three dates announced, uh, uh, all in Texas. So it's the Friday, SmackDown, uh, Sunday, Money in the Bank, and Monday, Raw. Uh, those tickets, at least two of the three of those events, went on sale today in pre-sale. And they look to have done well. Uh, there's a good Twitter account that actually is, is at a, uh, AEW Ticket Info, but they're they're covering the uh, the Ticketmaster activity on the W events as well. And those look to be selling. It's hard to, to tell what exactly is a sold seat and what is just an unavailable seat. But there isn't a ton of availability right now for at least the Money in the Bank, and I think it's the raw taping. Um, think about the timing too. Is this is July 16th? I think is the first date back. That's the Friday, the SmackDown. So it's the middle of July. The timing on the Q2 earnings report will be either late July or early August, so just after those events happen. So it's something that they'll be able to tell a story to investors and to analysts about on the uh, the earnings call. If these events uh, sell out or come close to selling out and do well, W can tell a story about how uh, all of this pent-up demand that people have been talking about really since pretty early on in, in COVID yeah. Uh, people have been talking about the pent-up demand that uh, ticket buyers will have uh, whenever live events really return to normal. So that's that's something that WWE can put over as, you know, they're really the beneficiaries of, of that among among other companies. That has to be, you know, I'm sure that was a fascinating discussion. I'm sure, you know, not just for WWE, but I'm sure AEW has gone through this and many other companies have and, and will continue probably to go through this. But But that has to be sort of a a fascinating thought of, okay, we know, or at least we we can project like what we think ticket sales are going to look like and that type of thing. But I guess, you know, you never really know, I guess, and once they're, until they're actually on sale and just kind of knowing that the climate, of course, of everything, um, you know, around the world, specifically in the United States, um, I think that is an interesting element. It's just to kind of see, as you said, you can kind of look at some of the pre-sales and such thus far, but um, that that had to be something that, that many people had their eyes on knowing that, hey, we at least think it's going in this direction, but I guess you never really know uh, until people are actually putting the money towards it to buy the tickets. 
Yeah, I, th- I think WrestleMania they were disappointed in. Um, they haven't said so, but that's yeah. my impression that WrestleMania ticket sales did not uh, go as well as they had hoped. It was certainly was not a fast sellout. And, uh, you know, it, it, I have the report. I, I think it's, I haven't looked at it in a bit, but I think it's just under uh, 20,000 tickets sold for each day. Um, so they had at least, I think they had about 25,000. That's what they said it was the capacity for each day. And you think about that at the time, that was early April, and there weren't nearly as many people vaccinated as there are now. And I think the more people get vaccinated, the more people are going to be comfortable going to, uh, you know, large public gatherings. And then these are full capacity events. These are not socially distanced events. Right. You look at the, uh, the seating charts, it looks like full 10,000 some odd uh, capacity uh, arenas. Yeah, well, it should be, as we saw at WrestleMania, as you said, it should be an interesting atmosphere, certainly for that. Um, you know, July 16th, and I know they've announced a couple of, you know, returns. I think they mentioned Edge and Sasha Banks. I think we're returning for that first one there, um, whatever that, that, that specific show was. But um, I know one of the other things that's been brought up, and, and you guys discussed this, uh, I listened to it on your, your recent edition of, of WrestleNomics Radio, was about everyone started asking the question because this is such a, you know, a big part of, of WWE's financials when it comes to the deal with Saudi Arabia and the events they hold there. Obviously they get a lot of money um, out of holding those events. And uh, I know one of the things you mentioned on there was that's going to be a topic that's discussed, but there's probably still a lot of unknowns with that just in terms of the travel limitations, you know, what restrictions are still in place um, and all of that. So I guess that's probably one of those that that's still in wait and see mode in terms of maybe what their plans are. I know, you know, it had been reported. I, I can't remember exact timeline, but um, I know there had been, you know, reports out there suggesting that certainly they wanted to potentially try to make that happen again, given the the financial uh, investment there and what could be at stake. But um, that is something I feel like probably still still wait and see just based on all the limitations and such. So, yeah, according to an article from the Associated Press on uh, May 17th, uh, Saudi Arabia is is not allowing uh, foreigners, at least from the U.S., into the country at this point. Maybe that'll change it at some time. Uh, before the end of the year, I would be, I would, I would predict that they would do at least one this year, uh, and I wouldn't even be surprised if they did more than one before the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've already missed out on two. Um, they did one in early 2020, February 27, 2020, is last time they went to Saudi Arabia for a large-scale international event. On the earnings calls, they never say Saudi Arabia. It's a large-scale <laughs> <Right. laughs> international event. Uh, and, and by the way, these, these are worth. 50 to $55 million every time they go. To put that in some perspective, they're supposed to do two every year, so that comes to about $100 million, maybe $110 million every year. That's about 10% of their overall revenue. They're generating just under a billion dollars in revenue per year. So that's how big of a piece it is to their business, about 10% of their business. Um, and it's probably highly profitable too, uh, even though these are big and expensive events that they, you know, they bring in uh, special stars for and things like that. But yeah, I, I, they, they have some events to make up, and Vince has said that they will just tack the missed events onto the end of the deal. So maybe it's it's a deal that ends up going longer than it's originally supposed to. Maybe they jam in, you know, three events in a year uh, on some of these years, though. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would expect that the, the, the stock market, and I think they're, I, I don't know if they're, uh, their current uh, financial projections in, include or assume a Saudi event, but I would think that uh, most people are expecting probably one event before the end of the year. But again, it's really dependent on whether the Saudi government is going to allow people from the U.S. In, into the country or whether they'll even, who knows, make some exception for uh, 
for WWE. Yeah, like you said, I, I know there is a lot financially they would um, certainly like to make that happen, as you said, just given the amount of money um, they get from, from that event. And I know that uh, a lot of people have sort of talked about, you know, just the logistics and everything involved with that. But uh, it will be interesting to see um, ca- kind of how that unfolds. I mean, I guess, you know, when you look at it overall, and I know this is a, a very broad question because, as we've all said, it's felt like this past year or so has, you know, felt like five years. but. As you look back on, on WWE specifically, you know, in terms of how they've navigated this past year, um, obviously we're still in the, the pandemic era just based on, I mean, we've seen all the recent stuff with New Japan and everything over there and kind of what they've had to deal with and just in many other places around the world. But has there anything specifically, I guess, business-wise? I mean, I know that the Nick Khan has sort of been the one, I think, that's really stood out, um, as you said, on, on some of the earnings calls and such in terms of just it feels like he is really putting his touch on a lot of different things. And especially over the past year or so, um, kind of when we've seen him step in, but is there anything it's specifically that you kind of look at and say, okay, WWE is getting back to live touring. We can take away this maybe from how they tried to do different things or some, some particular items on the business aspect just from this past year. Well, I, I think what we've seen in, in the time of the pandemic is just how much, the wrestling business has been turned on its head to what it was in a, in, a, in a prior era where the wrestling business was all about getting on TV and promoting tickets or pay-per-views. Um, it's become the opposite of that where the TV is the thing that generates the biggest piece of revenue. Yeah. And in WWE's case, in, in the last few years before the pandemic, their live event business was not profitable in, in many quarters. Um, really, the WrestleMania quarter was the only quarter that was sure to be profitable uh so it's become a media business it's become you could think of it as it's become a business that is far more about selling video than it is about selling tickets uh video and in various forms mostly in the form of live tv that's the most valuable piece but also in the w network and you know the w network was, was just the u.s rights were sold to peacock for 200 million dollars per year on an average annual basis um but in the case of new japan the the media uh, market for live sports rights is not nearly as strong in, in Japan as it is in the U.S. Right. So New Japan does not have these enormous guaranteed TV rights fees. They're still making the majority, I think the slim majority, of their revenue from ticket sales still. So that's why we've seen this, uh, you know, they've canceled or postponed the events. And you know, as they were sending the foreigners home, they reversed their decision and decided, no, the events are back on because they really need to run events in order to, to keep themselves afloat and to continue to have cash flow. Um, so that's what's going on there. And I don't know, as, as far as Nick Khan, I think uh, Nick Khan, is a, his background is a talent agent. He's represented a number of uh, sports personalities and sports announcer and commentator and uh, radio personalities, uh, as, as well as he's done things like uh, represent WWE in its TV rights negotiations in 2018, the current deals that they're getting right now for Raw and SmackDown, which were, they more than tripled their rights uh, with Nick Khan helping them negotiate. Um, but I think we're seeing two. So, so Nick, Khan, Nick Khan, I think, is especially suited uh, to, to add to WWE in, in this time where so much of their financial future is bound to the value of their live sports rights. Also, I think we're seeing maybe the over-application of his background in, in terms of getting Adnan Verk a position as 
the commentator on Raw, that clearly didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, this talent management group that they put together after they made everybody get off of Twitch and Cameo, that was put together and then disbanded about a month later. Um, so we're seeing some things like that. I think we're seeing the uh, reportedly the the zombie lumberjack was a result <laughs> of a yes. uh, a advertising deal to promote the Army of the Dead. I think it is the Batista movie. So there's in in some ways you can see how his background is being overapplied. And I think this this often happens, maybe in business generally. But I think that, I think this happened with the previous management, the George Barrows and Michelle Wilson, who were co-presidents until January 2020. I think they were over-applying a tech company uh, vision onto WWE in many ways in terms of trying to run their own streaming service and trying to monetize data and sell their data to third parties, which is not as valuable as they had hoped. So that's what I think is happening. Yeah, and I know people have talked about you know, ratings too, certainly during viewership during this era, and I know it's probably hard to sort of correlate kind of the anticipation moving forward or what the expectations are. Is there anything that stands out to you just based on, I mean, again, I, I know it's a, it's a pretty broad question in terms of where Raw is at. I mean, we've, we've talked about Raw a lot. Obviously, it's the one that the people seemingly really look at each week. And, and you know, the viewership is, is obviously not what it used to be. Um, NXT, I know there have been, you know, lots of discussions on that since they moved uh, from Wednesdays to Tuesdays and then SmackDown uh, still on Fox. And certainly, again, we know all the money that's coming in from all those deals and and how that is kind of pushing WWE forward from a business standpoint. But um, are there any trends in particular that you look at now? And again, we don't know if anything changes significantly just based on having crowds back and such. I mean, again, we're sort of in an unprecedented situation, but um, is there anything that stands out maybe ratings wise on any of those flagship shows at this point? I think Raw and SmackDown have been holding up pretty well in the ratings in the last four months or so. Um, I would have expected them to slip a little bit more than they did. May, it looks like they're slipping somewhat, uh, but that happens every May. So it's not, you know, exceeding my expectations uh, in terms of the viewership loss right now. Um, viewership over time, of course, has, is down greatly from where it's been, you know, years ago. Uh, largely, that's in line with TV trends overall, Raw and SmackDown are still among the most viewed programs on TV. And as long as they are still among the most viewed programs on TV, uh, Raw and SmackDown will probably maintain the kind of value that they have now. Um, even if the, the cable bundle uh, comes apart, I think live sports will continue to have uh, a, a great deal of value as long as the Raw and SmackDown audience is among the most uh, is among the largest audiences of, of any given form of, of live entertainment that people want to watch as it happens. Uh, I think there will always be a way to highly monetize uh, events like that um, going forward. Um, the thing is, though, now, I don't know if you heard about this, but Showbuzz Daily, which is the website <laughs> yes. that everyone relied on for uh, TV ratings. They posted the top 150 cable originals every day, and they posted prime time for, for broadcast networks as well. Uh, that's no longer being updated. I'm working on the, under the presumption that that's never going to be updated again, and we need to find new sources for our TV viewership. So it's going to be uh, more difficult than before to follow uh, what's happening with viewership and what's happening with various demographics. Um, but we're going to do our best. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, 
we will have less granularity. I'm sure we will still have a uh, at least the total viewership. Hopefully, we'll still be able to get uh, a few other demos too. But uh, yeah, and I think AEW's um, they're doing all right in their viewership too. They got preemptions coming up, which will probably be challenging. Uh, but I think you know AEW's done considerably well in their viewership, and they there's a good argument that AEW uh, is very undervalued in its current deal, which isn't going to expire until. Uh, December 2023, and then it's probably going to be extended for an option through December 2024. Um, but I think AEW, whenever they do renegotiate, is going to be um, due for maybe doubling their TV rights fees. But that's far future. Well, you mentioned uh, one one product placement, I guess, on AEW Dynamite and Showbuzz Daily uh, has struggled since. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that is, that is the last that that Showbuzz Daily table <laughs> that you saw on AEW Dynamite a couple Wednesdays ago. That was the his, the historic last table that show was daily ever posted well i really wonder what the story is they say they have tech issues i wonder if they just lost their source though let's hope that isn't the dark side of the ring episode at some point but if there is anything we've learned from that brandon we want you to get wrestlenomics all the pup you can but if you put it on aw dynamite um it appears that that bad things could happen so um yeah. hesitate in that situation but um, you mentioned AW. Certainly, the move from TNT to TBS in, in next year uh, has been a big talking point. Uh, that was among, I guess, that was last week or the week before. Now it's just a massive week for news. Um, yeah. And and some of the things you pointed out, you know, certainly when you look at the the eighteen to forty nine demo, which is the one we always talk about as the key demo. I mean, TNT is is the leader there in terms of, um, you know, you're making a switch from TNT to TBS a little bit different there in terms of um, the actual demographic. But uh, something else you also noted uh, that I thought was pretty interesting was it, it's fairly even, but I guess the the Nielsen estimates were that TBS is still, you know, in slightly more homes than, than TNT, which again, I know those aren't exactly specific numbers that's sort of based on estimates and such. But I guess, you know, overall, your thoughts on that? I mean, one of the things that, that I feel like we've always noted is, AEW's audience has done a pretty good job of sort of following them where they go, and I know sort of the bouncing around, as you said, in the in the coming weeks here uh, due to the NBA playoffs, that'll kind of tell uh, even more of a story and give us more of a reference point uh, on those, you know, over time since they've started and had to made some of these moves. But, um, you know, with TNT having the NBA, they're going to add NHL here seemingly. Uh, but, but I guess if you look at it overall, um, it's a move, but, you know, it's probably going to be one where I feel like AEW's sort of, in terms of, live sports and such they're going to kind of be the driving force it seems like on tbs yeah it seems like tnt is going to become almost a sports network they're going to have yeah. nba and the nhl uh by the end of the year i guess in the, in the new season for the nhl um but yeah as you mentioned tbs is in slightly slightly more homes than tnt uh really tnt tbs and usa are all in roughly the same number of homes really really TBS is in slightly more homes than than USA and TNT, but it's it's all. I don't I don't think there's. It's probably a less than one percent difference. Although I've I've heard that uh, Tony Khan immediately made this one of his talking points as as soon as he read it off my Twitter. <laughs> um, but yeah, but TNT in you know maybe a few hundred thousand fewer homes, but TNT is a stronger network. TNT does largely driven by the NBA games. Uh, does better in P eighteen to forty nine, which is what. We keep keep being hit over the head with uh, by 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 people at AEW that that's all they care about is the P eighteen to forty nine. They don't care about the total viewership. So I, t I take their word for it. Um, 
but TNT performs better in that area by a pretty considerable margin compared to TBS. Um, so it's not a great thing for AEW that they're moving their flagship show from TNT to TBS. That said, it'll probably be okay. It's, they're not moving from uh, one network to an unrelated network. They're moving from one network to another within the Turner family, and I'm sure it'll be promoted hard. Um, it's it's not going to be like I think there was in the, in one of the raw moves for either to or from Viacom. They, they were I think they were censored when they were trying to pr- promote their <laughs> their new TV home. But anyway, I th- I think they'll be okay. I think wrestling fans are are good at figuring out where to watch their wrestling, and I'm sure the first show on TBS, the first Dynamite on TBS, will be heavily promoted. Maybe we'll have a, a really big card uh, to to get people to make sure that they get in the habit of tuning into TBS on Wednesday night for AEW. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think the transfer will be okay. It usually is in the case of wrestling and there's no reason to think it won't be well promoted. So I think they will be fine. Um, Rampage is coming to Friday. Yep. That's happening too. And I don't know if that means more money for, for AEW. Uh, Dave Meltzer thinks it's significant. I've been told maybe it's not that significant. I don't know. I then they're doing the, the quarterly shows too. I'm I'm more ready to believe that those do represent an increase in compensation for AEW because those are something that is in addition to what the original agreement was. Uh, an additional one-hour show was in the additional was in the initial agreement between uh, AEW and Warner Media in January 2020. So there's that. I guess you know one of the things that I guess I was thinking of. Um... And I feel like you had you had kind of hinted at this. I don't remember when you said it, but sort of just that placement too of where Rampage is going to be. I mean, it's going to follow the, you know, the SmackDown audience at ten Eastern. Um, you know, it is a, a later show compared to most shows that we're used to. But but as you said, I mean, it, it's a one hour show. Tony Khan has specifically stated it's not going to be a B show. Like it's going to be something that you tune in for. Um, every single week, that's kind of the way he's pushed it. And as you said, depending on the, the financial uh, gain there uh, overall, what do you think maybe just about the placement of, again, I know this is sort of different uh, a question, but um, it, it is in an interesting slide at, at 10 Eastern on a Friday. I think a lot of people always talked about, you know, with SmackDown being on Friday, it's the weekend and all these other things. But um, I guess it is different just in terms of, uh, you know, looking at it from that standpoint, although as we'll see, um, you know, Dynamite's going to be on, on Fridays here coming up soon. So, uh, we'll have at least a, a reference point and we've had some before on that, but I guess it's interesting just to sort of look at the time slot there too, for that hour that they have. Although I, I'm sure if you look at it overall, I assume they probably didn't have a lot of options based on some of their other programming, as we've said, whether it's NBA, NHL, uh, that kind of stuff. I assume that, that maybe there were things they didn't necessarily want to um have going up against each other and maybe it just felt like you know tony khan's going to put that hour where he can and, and maybe that was the best place to do it right so he won't run on sunday because that's when football is yep. he doesn't ever want to compete with with the nfl he won't run on monday that's also the nfl nfl's night he's already on wednesday so i guess the options were tuesday or thursday back-to-back on, on nights with, with Dynamite um, or Saturday, but nobody wants to be on the weekend. Uh, so Friday was probably the best choice um, among, among the nights available. And 
So then you've got to think you're either you're going to go head to head with SmackDown and probably get killed yeah. or go before or after. Um, and, and right after is, is probably the best choice. You get not exactly a lead in, but, you know, what people are calling a lead in from SmackDown because people will be done watching SmackDown and they can get into the habit of tuning right into Rampage. Um, I wonder, too, if uh, we, we haven't seen any indication that they will yet. And I guess this show doesn't come out until August. So there's some time. Will WWE put something on Peacock to run head to head because it, it only makes sense because you could advertise it on SmackDown and say, Hey, tune into Peacock. Although does, does Fox want, uh, want to be promoting an NBC universal product on, on their TV show? <laughs> right. That's another question I hadn't thought of until I thought through it like that. But yeah, um, I think it'll, I think rampage will be, um, a secondary show to dynamite. I know Tony Khan saying it's not going to be a B show, but, but I believe that the perception will be that Dynamite is is the A show and uh, Rampage is the is the secondary show. It's, it's the thunder to its nitro, I guess. Um, yeah, it's a lot of programming, isn't it? I mean, that's something I know people have talked about. You know, when you have dark, dark elevation now, too. Um, I assume, and I've said this to many people as, as someone who does our AEW dark review, like those shows at times hit two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. But I think once they go back to live touring, you're not going to be uh, having, you know, 16 to 18 matches on each of those nights and get a, you know, a fill of 35 AEW matches on back to back nights uh, based on the taping schedule. But I know that's sort of free them in terms of YouTube and, and what they can bring in with that. So um, I think that's one of the things too, that the people have sort of pointed out that, you certainly don't want to, and I know that's one of the things Tony Khan mentioned was he did not, I mean, you could tell he was pretty much adamant that he did not want to do the third hour on Dynamite and make that a three hour show based on some of the uh, reaction to Raw, sort of in that same sense. But I guess when you think about it now, you have the two hours of Dynamite, you have the hour on Fridays with Rampage, plus, you know, I assume you're still going to have Dark Elevation and Dark, although to me, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, you know, is there really the need for both? But um, hey, it's content and we're in the content era. So, yeah, I think so. Now there's six programs last I counted. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't know if that even includes um, MLW. Yeah, because there's what is there the Raw, Smack, Raw, NXT, Dynamite, Impact, SmackDown, Rampage. And that's not even including things like MLW, Ring no. of Honor, New Japan. Um, so I think doing a third hour of, of Dynamite would be very bad for their brand. Uh, the fans, there'd be a backlash about that because nobody likes the fact that Raw is three hours. Um, I think it would be more of a drain on the, on the average rating of, of Dynamite than a separate one-hour program would be. Um, it's notable, too. Rampage is going to be a tape show. Uh, it's not going to be a live show with the exception of the weeks that it is next to a, a pay-per-view. They will do it live then, uh, at least at that point. At this point, that's the plan. If the right uh, set of people decide they want to go live for some reason sometime in the future, or maybe the ratings are strong enough, maybe they will make it live. But it's much more expensive. Uh, if they did two live tapings, separate tapings every week, than it is if they tied it into the Dynamite taping on Wednesday, which is which is what they're going to do uh, for the most part. Um, dark or Dark Elevation, I don't think they've decided whether or not Dark and Dark Elevation are going to be taped in conjunction with the Dynamite tapings or whether they're going to uh, set up some sort of regular taping at Daly's Place. Daly's Place is uh, operated by the Khan family, so they have control of it. 
Um, so that's something I think that they're they're weighing within AEW right now. But I think, sort of as you alluded to, they're the, the days of the the 15 match AEW Dark. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be coming to an end uh, once they do return to to touring. Yeah, and you would hope that you know a lot of the talent, the the unsigned talent that's been appearing on both of those shows. We'll have more opportunities um, just outside of what has been available, certainly through the pandemic. Uh, we know the impact it's had on independent wrestling, uh, of course, there. I guess uh, before we wrap up, uh, the big question is uh, with uh, Warner Media, I know um, sort of announced the the merger with Discovery. Uh, everyone wants to know, are we going to have like, are we going to have Dinosaur Week with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus? And uh, are we going to have all these crossovers or <laughs> what, what impacts do you think, if any, uh, there could be? Obviously, with this new, you know, this move and everything going on. Um, I assume there's not a whole lot probably to read into that at this point. So, yeah, I mean, w- one of the values is that any wrestling program can provide or can not, you know, have a lack of providing to to its network is how able you're able to promote the other programs on the show. How 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 much can you help the other programs get get viewership as well? And we've seen that to some extent with um with AEW with uh, Cody appearing on the Go Big Show, I think it's called, right? Yeah. And uh, Snoop Dogg as well, who's on that show, also having an appearance in AEW. Shaq in the Turner family having a match on AEW. Pretty good match. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if, if there's a way that they can cross-promote the, the things that are in the Discovery family once that merger is complete, sure. I mean, who knows? You'll have uh, Guy Fieri uh, coming out and uh, cutting a promo <laughs> on somebody or something. Yes. Um, but I... Yeah, but I think the other the other thing that that, that it brings to mind is you know what what's going to be the ultimate destiny of uh, HBO Max and Discovery Plus? Are they going to re- remain separate streaming services? Or are they going to be combined in some way? Uh, do either of those eventually someday, not anytime soon, but someday become the streaming home for AEW for its pay per view events and for whatever library it has? Um, I think that's that's probably something that happens down the road because I think those those streaming services can probably put uh, a few dozen million in front of AEW, and it would greatly outweigh the uh, the U.S. revenue that that AEW generates on pay per view. So I think that's something that that will probably happen, and an AEW will look to get done in the future. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I guess but one more thing, Brent. I, I had seen this in one of your um, updates you had on WrestleNomics, and and I had. You know, certainly I, I know it. I'm like, I think about it now and I'm like, well, duh, like I, I can see the impact, but it is pretty fascinating. I mean, we've sort of impact wrestling. We've, we've all looked at as sort of, uh, I mean, I don't know, they, they've been in a, an interesting spot, you know, where they haven't had the opportunity to, to bring in fans and that kind of stuff throughout this pandemic. But um, I know I was looking at the ratings and one of the things you brought up was, you know, Dark Side of the Ring, since the season three premiere uh, several weeks ago, um, it's had a little bit of an impact, uh, certainly on on Impact, no pun intended, um, just based on sort of the airing times uh, with both of those two. And I know Impact trying to get all the momentum they can get right now. Of course, they're doing, you know, crossover stuff. Kenny Omega is the champion and everything, but um, it still feels like Impact is in a spot where it's just, I don't know, it feels like it's it's still a bit of a struggle for them at this point. But again, as you said, because of Dark Side of the Ring, had even more competition now with that. Yeah, I th- I think so. Impact with with Dark Side of the Ring, they overlap in the the latter hour for Impact. So that's 9 p.m. Eastern. That's when Dark Side of the Ring starts, and it's it's competing with the second hour of of Impact, and it is more highly viewed uh, than an Impact is. Um, even the episodes that that aren't that don't do as well. The, the Pillman episode did really well, and the 
It was followed by the Nick, Nick Gage episode that that didn't do nearly the number that Pillman did, but but still more than what Impact is doing. Um, and I think it's just a matter of you know, Impact is is a is a brand that obviously from when it was TNA several years ago, it's 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 fallen a great deal. And I think it's starting to, it has repaired itself somewhat in the last couple of years, but I think it's still sort of a mainstream product that doesn't have a great deal of differentiation. Uh, it's, it's got kind of a niche audience, but it's kind of delivering a mainstream style of wrestling that I don't know that it strongly appeals to a specific audience. So I think they're going to be sort of where they're at, which is still a pretty valuable position for, for Access and for Anthem. It's the number one show on Access. By you know we don't in 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 the Showbiz Daily era we never saw but one instance of another uh, Access show show up in in the top 150. Now granted they were only showing up there. Uh, Access was only being reported by Showbiz Daily since December. But in those months, the only show uh, there was a, a some 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 sort of concert uh, year in review or something that was the one instance of anything but Impact showing up in the in the 150. So Impact's the biggest show for however small an audience it's got, usually under 200,000 viewers. Uh, as small as that sounds, you know, that's like a, a, a tenth of, of the SmackDown or Raw audience. Nonetheless, it's still the, the strongest show for, uh, for access. And uh, if you're trying to uh, build a network and, and sell carriage fees for your network, uh, that's, that's a value to, uh, to Anthem. So there's, you know, I, I don't, I, I kind of think that Anthem's probably fine with where they are and they see it as a, is a worthwhile investment. Yep, all about the value to your own network and not necessarily always comparing them uh, with everyone else and what they're doing. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, this Thursday when um, I know a lot of people will be tuning into the, the Dark Side of the Ring uh, Ultimate Warrior episode based on probably wanting to compare and contrast to the uh, WWE on A&E from uh, this past Sunday. So that will be interesting to see what that looks like. But uh, Brandon, I know it's been a, a busy day. Like you said, there's lots going on. Uh, lots happening really over the past two weeks now uh, in wrestling. Lots of noteworthy uh, news items when it comes to the business side uh, of wrestling. And I know you guys have it all covered over at WrestleNomics.com. And, and you guys have a Patreon, which I am now a, a proud member of. Um, there is just so much, uh, I think, great analysis. A lot of great resources in there. One of the things that I had kind of got lost in uh, for hours was the uh, the Google Trends report on, the, you know, sort of oh. the what people are really, you know, trying to find when it comes to the, you know, WWE, AEW and such. Um, so let everybody know where they can find all that. And as I said, I, I just think there's so much fascinating information there for people that, that really do enjoy uh, the business side of wrestling. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing that on a recurring basis. I'm still sort of working out the scripts that I, that I needed to write in order to, to scrape all that info from Google Trends. But yeah, uh, everybody can get access to... Uh, to all of our content on Patreon at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. It's just $5 a month, which includes access to the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet, which will include all of the wrestling viewership data that I can get my hands on in this, in this new Wild West world <laughs> that we're about, about to enter here uh, post-Showbuzz Daily. So, so perhaps as valuable as ever uh, to get access to that. It's a, it's a Google spreadsheet with over 15,000 data points in it and a number of tabs that I've put together sort of anal analyzing the data in a number of ways. Uh, I just put out a report today on uh, on the the layoffs at, at WWE, and uh, yeah, I'm really just starting to figure out what exactly is the content promise. But it's it's definitely those things. There's there's a locked poster to just about every week 
And uh, there's also more of my written work for free on WrestleNomics.com, a number of uh, wrestling stats for free on WrestleNomics.com. And I have a podcast that comes out every week. We're really just like a, at this point, a, a three-person team. I've just uh, worked to get somebody to help me to, uh, to create some articles for uh, WrestleNomics.com. But along with Chris Gullo, I, I host the WrestleNomics radio podcast, which you can find uh, on your podcast app. Just search for WrestleNomics. And you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston and the WrestleNomics account at WrestleNomics. Yep. Check it all out. Uh, we'll put the links to everything uh, in the show notes here of the podcast. And uh, yeah, as I said, lots of great uh, stuff if you enjoy uh, the business side of wrestling. But Brandon, uh, this was a great discussion. Uh, thanks so much for doing it. And I'm sure we'll we'll catch up again soon. And hopefully uh, you will not stay too busy with uh, everything going on. And as I said, do not put your graphic on AEW Dynamite. I don't want WrestleNomics to go down. So. <laughs> Well, they, they, they've already taken uh, Chris Harrington away from us, so they, <laughs> they, right. they've got their fill. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's Brandon Thurston. Uh, again, everyone, check out stuff at uh, WrestleNomics.com, and, and of course, uh, head over to 411mania.com. Check out uh, everything we got going on over there. We have everything covered uh, from the uh, latest uh, round of layoffs, as we discussed, uh, and everything else, news, columns. Uh, we're actually hiring columnists, if you're interested in joining uh, the site as a columnist, uh, you can uh, apply there and uh, get all the information you need on that. So check everything out. 41mania.com. Subscribe to the podcast. 411 on Wrestling. Any podcast app you use. And uh, thanks again to Brandon Thurston for joining me here on the podcast. And thank you as always for listening. We'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>